So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners, and welcome back to another episode where you get charged up for success. I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. So today we have a very exciting podcast for you. One of the trends that I have seen grown exponentially since the inception of Marketatomy almost 10 years ago is the dream of becoming a public speaker among my clients. And public speaking is one of the most dreaded challenges among most individuals, even topping death at some point. But still, that desire to become an expert on stage still drives us to take the leap. But how can we make this dream a reality? Well, I've had many experts talk about the fear of public speaking on podcasts in the past, like Tyler Foley and most recently Sandra D. Robinson, both actors who have grown up in front of audiences. But what about those of us who are not trained from an early age? What resources do we have to gain the skills needed to take the stage? Well, today... We have with us the answer to this question as we welcome George Hendley, training and coaching consultant with the Speakers Academy. Welcome, George. Thank you, Dana. I am excited to be with you and your guest today. I know this is going to be fun, and I know and believe it's going to be helpful for your listeners out there. Very good. Very good. So George founded George Henley Presentations, a training, coaching, and consulting firm in 1992. He's also the founder of the Speakers Academy in 2011 that has been his primary focus for the past nine years. At the Speakers Academy, he works with business leaders who want to speak with confidence. So during the past 29 years, George wrote over 150 articles on a variety of timely and relevant topics when it comes to public speaking. Those topics include presentation skills, listening, leadership, attitude, and understanding body language. He also co-authored Mediations for the Road Warrior with 10 other professional speakers. He posts frequent tips and insights on his Speakers Academy Facebook and LinkedIn pages that are clear, brief, and practical. His zeal for learning and the desire to teach and mentor others makes him a passionate, enthusiastic, and competent presenter. He is eager to help you on your learning and life quest. So let's delve right in. And I'm sure our audience is eager to learn more from you, George. I'm ready to give them the best that I've got, Dana. Best that you can. (laughs) Yes. So first of all, what made you decide to start the Speakers Academy? Give us a little bit of history. Sure. Well, as you mentioned in that introduction, and thank you for doing such a really wonderful job with that, you remember there was a major upheaval in the business community and in the business world back in 08 and 09. And with that came a a lot of uh, turnover and and changes. And quite frankly, my business at that point in time went through some major changes because of the company that I was representing and selling a lot of their product line had some internal and organizational changes, which really impacted me from a financial and from a a day-to-day living perspective. 
So what I really recognized very simply was this. I needed to have a little bit more control of my future. I think that's what almost all entrepreneurs want. They want to have control of the reins. They don't want to have somebody telling them all the time when to show up, what to do, how to do it, et cetera. And so that, that need for a little more freedom, a little more autonomy put me on the path to say, I've got to figure out what's the right route for me to go. Over a period of literally three years from 08 to 11, I experimented with a number of things and finally remembered that I'd had some great success and a lot of enjoyment in teaching people the great skill of what we call public speaking. So at that point in time, literally in the early summer of 2011, I ran a pilot group just to test the waters and to see how it would go. It went very well. And I said, okay, this is the route I think I really need to follow. So thus was born the Speakers Academy in October of 2011. We're coming up real close to the 10th anniversary, and I'm in a celebratory mood already. Well, that's very good. It's funny because your timeline pretty much follows along my timeline as far as where I pivoted. Mm-hmm. In my in my career, uh, I worked for 35 years in the architectural engineering construction market, primarily in the you know business development, uh, marketing, and strategic planning side. And towards the end of my uh, career within that venue was when the economy was taking such a hit. Mm-hmm. And at that point. I had started, well, first of all, the bosses had turned around and said, okay, it's everybody's job to sell. Everywhere from the receptionist at the front desk, you know, to the field people out in the field, et cetera. And so being the marketing director at that time, okay, all the onus was put on me to prepare and make sure that they had the materials that they need to do their selling, to be able to go out there. And I had to take a step back and develop some systems to put in place. But this is, you know, for for them to be able to get the materials that they needed without taking away from my day-to-day activities, I was already putting in 60-hour weeks because, you know, we were at that stage. They were laying off and then they were taking on more and more work because they needed to keep their team working or else, you know, lose them. So, you know, that was a very difficult turning time. So when I was laid off at 2009 is where I saw the writing on the wall and I just said, that's it. I'm not getting back into this rat race again anytime (laughs) soon. (laughs) You could go on your own race and not their race. And that's exactly it. And, And we, my husband and I had the same conversation, you know, is we need to start thinking about our own retirement. We can't depend on our J-O-Bs per se. So at that point is when we said, okay, let's, let's see what we, we had already started it. It just happened a little bit quicker when I got laid off than I had planned. But when we talk about sales, okay. Yes. And we talk about getting up and speaking, there's several things that we have to take into consideration. It falls under two primary categories, Mm -hmm. hard skills and soft skills. Can you talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. the soft skills that are needed in order to be a public speaker? Can you Mm -hmm. talk about that? Sure. Well, uh, over my 29 years in training and most of that in what we'll call corporate America, one of the things I recognized was there was an ongoing need and 
and desire for what they call communication skills. Now, I've taught four basic communication skills. Or I've, I've boiled it down to four. There are two outgoing. There are two incoming. The two incoming are reading and listening. The two outgoing are speaking and writing. And when you're talking about sales, you need to be able to do all four. But I think really the most critical, the starting point, quite frankly, in my mind, when it comes to sales is really good listening skills. That's what I discovered. And in the early stages of my days in the training arena, that's what I really promoted. But something funny came up along the way, Dana. And that was the recognition that nobody wanted to learn how to listen. And, and they kind of thought, well, they already knew how to listen, when in reality, they exemplified that they really didn't. But it was hard to sell a listening course, just because, again, it was put on the, the back burner, so to speak, or it was very rarely looked at as something important. I did, in the early stages, recognize, wow, people want to overcome this fear of speaking, and specifically what we call public speaking. Right. So that came into my attention. And that was then in the early stages why I got on the team with the Zig Ziglar Corporation and became one of their trainers for their effective business presentations course. That kind of laid the groundwork. That and earlier Toastmasters laid the course for me to be able to do what I'm doing today. Of course, I joined the National Speakers Association. I joined the American Society for Training and Development. And I just became a student of communication and why that was so incredibly important. So the soft skills are, in my mind, They're the hard skills. Yes. They're the hardest ones to learn. Because even though from early childhood, you you may be thinking that you know how to listen and thinking you know how to speak, but Mm -hmm. reality, there's so much more than meets the eyes or the ears in being able to speak well, listen well, and communicate in a fluent, effective manner. And that's exactly right. And even on stage, when you're on stage, public speaking, you're selling. You are. You are selling when you're on stage and you need to listen to the audience. You need to (laughs) observe the audience and understand, am I losing them or not? Okay. What are some of the tips that you can give? Uh, Well, before we get to that, okay. Okay. I want to know who are the kinds of people who are coming to you? Well, uh, lots of different kinds of people. Actually, I've worked with the corporate arena. I've worked with the entrepreneurial arena. The ones, quite frankly, I prefer are those people who are in the entrepreneurial arena because what they recognize is if they're not doing this skill set well, their business is going to be hitting an early plateau or a ceiling, and they're going to be limited in the light of where they're able to grow for the future. In the entrepreneurial arena, typically because the investment is coming out of their wallet, their pocket, their their uh, you know income, they recognize they must dig in and go to work in improving the skill sets in that arena. So I work with men and women. I work with all kinds of professionals, be they financial planners, be they in the healthcare arena, be they in the personal coaching arena, uh, you name it. I, I've worked with them across the board. Because again, those skills are a necessary part of good business acumen and good professional life. So, so in other words, these entrepreneurs that are coming to you, the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. speaking, they're primarily coming to you not to necessarily present on stage, but to be confident when they're talking in front of prospects or customers or something like that, right? Yes, 
Yes. Here's the thing that I try to help people recognize in the early stages. When you work with principles, not what I call techniques, but principles of good communication, the principles of good communication work, whether you're talking to one or five or 15, 500 or 5,000, the principles don't really change. There may be a tiny tweak here or there in the delivery, but the principles are the same across the board. I speak of what we call the three V's. And under the three V's, there are 11 core skills. Those are like the foundational building blocks for good delivery. And going back to what we said a little bit earlier, being able to watch your audience, again, an audience of one or five or 15, and be able to read them. That's why I wrote a series of articles on body language, body gestures. That makes the major difference in how well you're going to communicate and connect with them. And Dana, it's all about connection. Oh, it is. So let me take a guess at what the three V's are. Okay, go. I'll probably be all wrong. Okay. (laughs) Vocal. One. Yes. Visual. Yes. Two. I don't know the third. (laughs) Okay. It's one that's some people kind of blend in with the vocal, but I call it the verbal. So you have the visual, the vocal, and the verbal. verbal. Okay. Okay. All right. I just had um, an interview with another podcast and she was a linguist and talking about the different communication styles, even between the South and the North America, you know, or (laughs) Florida and New York. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's amazing, you know, that we have to, think about those things when we when we're talking to people because you can offend people very easily if you're not careful about that so how has COVID affected your delivery method for your training Mm, well quite frankly it it uh, sort of reset the landscape I had been using Zoom technology before COVID rolled into town. So I was not a novice. I'd been using it on one-on-one coaching with my clients that were scattered all over the United States. But suddenly, everything went away from a face-to-face perspective. The small groups that I was able to do and the training in the, the classroom environment, that all got put on the back burner, way, way, way back burner. And what I thought and, and was hoping for was that it was going to be a three or four or five months simple transition and then back to normal. Obviously, you know, and I know both that hasn't been the case. We are now, and boy, you've got a great governor in Florida, by the way. Oh, I love him. Yeah. (laughs) But, but now we're finally getting up the, the, mentality to get back into the public space. I am finally, Dana, right now scheduling my first open workshop for about six to eight weeks out. So the COVID forced me to go in inside, so to speak, what we're doing right now. And it's not bad. It's just not what I call the best. There is an element of of that face-to-face delivery uh, that you just don't get when you're looking at a screen. Right, right. No, you're absolutely right. Do you see it becoming more of a hybrid? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we will, because people have, in many respects, adjusted to this kind of 
communication and some now even prefer it. But the, the bottom line really is about what's working right for the client or the prospect. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously, now that I've especially moved 80 miles east of Dallas, I can't run into Dallas and meet with someone very easily or quickly. That's a that's a much more difficult thing for me to schedule. So I can do Zoom sessions like this real easy, back to back. And that's really helpful and very effective. So I think more and more, though, people are going to recognize there's a place for Zoom. There's a place for the face-to-face. -face, and if you can do a good job of blending the two into what you call that hybrid, you're going to reach more people more effectively. Exactly, exactly. So what are some of the important benefits to those you coach or train? Good. Well, uh, I think, and that's why I say this very simply when people say, George, what do you do? I say I work with business leaders who want to speak with confidence. Dana, the biggest thing that I've recognized through all the years of my coaching is there is a confidence element that is oftentimes not where it needs to be. That right. is oftentimes, shall we say, just weak. And their confidence needs to be elevated so that they then can stand up on the stage or even just look into a Zoom group and smile and be able to say, hey, I am happy to be here with you today. Let's rock and roll and have a good time together. So it's the confidence element that is so incredibly important in building the foundation. I, of course, help them build confidence by way of understanding the skills and the principles. And that then begins to elevate step by step by step. You know, it's, it's just, it's not rocket science. It's the same thing you and I have gone through in our elementary, junior high, high school, you know, higher education. But if you have to understand how people learn. You have to understand how to gradually help them take that next step up and then recognize and applaud every little bit of progress that they're making in that, that, that growth and learning process. Right, right. And it is a learning process. It is. It is something that's not going to happen overnight. Um, just like you, uh, I was in college when I had my first, well, it wasn't my first it was the first time I was forced into speaking, okay, um, because in my junior, senior year of college at my university, part of the curriculum was every single class you took, you were broken out into teams, and at the end of the semester, you had to present your project, and being scared to death of public speaking, I went to Toastmasters, and I spent five years in Toastmasters. Good for you. Um, and I, and I was actually mentored by an international speaker, wow. um, you know, through Toastmasters. So, you know, she, she was really good. Monica Wofford was her name. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good deal. And, well, um, the, it, it's, it's in, it's, you made a decision. You made a yes. great decision, a smart decision, and it wasn't an easy decision, but you faced the fact that you were lacking in an insight, in an education, in a confidence element that you needed to have to be able to do well in your classroom. So right. you put yourself in a learning environment, a practice environment, and, and a feedback environment. And one of the greatest aspects of, of Toastmasters is the feedback that you get right. from all the audience members along the way. So it, it's all of that combined that makes the learning process really work. 
It also taught you or taught me a great deal about the different types of speech. Yes. Okay. You know, informational versus motivational through, you know, um, all of that. So that helped out tremendously too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sure. Um, but I know that now, even with public speaking, you know, virtually when I get in front and do webinars, you know, and things like that, it's the amount of energy it takes out of you to present that afterwards I am just so exhausted because it's, it's what I call sales fatigue. Like I said, you know, when you're on stage, you're selling and when you're networking, you're selling. You're right. And so after networking events or speaking events, it's, it's just, I'm so exhausted. I need to take a step back, just relax, sometimes go to bed. You know? <laughs> sure. because it does. It drains you, um, especially if you're doing it correctly. Yes. I can tell you this. I had one experience that I would never, ever want to relive. And this was way back, uh, golly, uh, probably 25 years ago, 24, 25 years ago. And I was working for a company based out of, where were they based out of? No, not Florida. I'm trying to remember. Georgia. They're based out of Georgia. But they needed me to go into a training environment right here in the, or back in the DFW area. And and they said, hey, we, we really need you to deliver this actually three different courses over a period of five days. And Dana, I was on my feet. Five days in a row, I felt like a pool of melted jello by the end of the fifth day. Yeah. I cannot, I yeah. cannot tell you how tired I was. And I, I felt like I needed to go home that weekend and sleep for about 48 hours to kind of regain yeah. the, my presence of mind and my physical abilities. Yeah. It, yes, it is really draining to be it's in front of draining. people yeah. and, and, and deliver a good product over that period of time. That's exactly it. Like I said, sales fatigue is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So how do people who have a deep fear of public speaking overcome that fear successfully? I mean, I've heard it from Tyler Foley, who's been on, you know, everybody has a different way of overcoming it. I'd like to hear what yours is. Yes. Well, knowing every person's background is somewhat different and knowing that that initial uh, seed of fear got planted in a different time, a different space, a different way. I, I give people a number of different potential solutions. I say, this worked for me. It might work for you. If that doesn't work, then you may try this. So I don't say here is the ultimate solution. I would never go so far as to say, I've got the, the, the magic speaker dust to sprinkle on you and everything's going to be okay from that point in time. But here, here's the very simple aspect. I say, look, the only way that you're really going to step into the spotlight is to step into the spotlight, so to speak. In other words, you have to get in front of a group of people and practice. And hopefully, they're going to be supportive. They're going to be able to give you positive feedback. And they're going to be able to encourage you to take the next step and the next step and the next step. That's one of the great aspects of Toastmasters. That's what I learned over 30 years ago in the Toastmasters arena. One of the other aspects, I went through a mental meltdown over a period of about a year and a half after I lost several jobs successively back in the late 80s, early 90s. 
And I read a great book by a psychologist called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. His name is Shad Helmstetter. And Shad, Dr. Helmstetter, he just laid it out there. The research repetitively showed that if we're talking negatively to ourselves, that's what we will be manifesting over and over and over right. and over again. Right. So if you walk into the room and you say to yourself, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. Even if you don't say it out loud, but you're, you're listening to that mental tape you will probably fail. So I help people with what we call the, the verbal and vocal affirmations. And I learned a really neat little piece of research about two and a half, three years ago, because all those years I had been doing the I am, I have, I can. And the research, updated research said, let's change that first pronoun to a you. Instead of I, you say you. And it's like saying, George, you can speak with confidence and boldness and even have fun doing it. And you can make a positive impact on people's lives every time you get in front of them. So I literally now send out into this listening audience. If you're wanting it, I will send this to you. I have 75 positive affirmations to help you build internal confidence so that the next time you're in front of a group of people, rather than running that negative fearful tape through your mind, you're starting to run a very positive, powerful mental tape that's going to help you start on and stay on the right track. Very good. Very good. So talk to me about speaking preferences. I know that, you know, through my years of, of, of learning to speak, especially when it's from the stage. The opposition between having notes, not having notes, memorizing, what I find is I like off-the-cuff speaking. Mm -hmm. I love off-the-cuff speaking because I don't lose my place. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. Sure, happy to. Well, on stage or screen, they have a script. And they are supposed to know their script. Now, how they develop or how they deliver that script, Dana, is actor to actor or actress to actress going to be somewhat different. Mm -hmm. The greats really know how to make it sound that it is not scripted. It's like our conversation right now. This mm -hmm. is not scripted. We didn't yeah. write all this stuff out. This was you and me interacting in a conversational style. But the great actors and actresses, the great speakers sound very conversational. Now, I do know a few who are, who are extremely scripted. I mean, they, they write out their speech, they memorize their speech, but they've learned in the delivery of it to make it sound that it is not scripted. And that's the big key. So I say different strokes for different folks. I am not a memorize the script kind of guy. Now I may memorize a few lines here and there, especially if it's a critical quote or a, crit a critical joke. I, I want to make sure that I'm on point and I'm not straying off of the lines that I've memorized. You know, four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I learned that back in fifth grade. I learned the whole Gettysburg Address. But bottom line, hey, you have to figure out what works well for you. Get in that flow, in that lane, and go for it. Uh, okay. So who are some of the gurus or the giants in the field of speaking that you studied? You mentioned Zig Ziglar. I love Zig Ziglar. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had the, the privilege and, and the, the positive interaction via tape and books way back in the early 70s to two men who had a very positive, uh, powerful impact on my life. One was Zig Ziglar. And the other was a guy by the name of Charlie Tremendous Jones. And Zig Ziglar and Charlie Jones were so amazing to me. They they had the kind of energy, they had the kind of humor, they had the kind of, of pizzazz that I thought these guys really got it together. So I, 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 in a sense, they became in a sense like idols to me, gurus to me. Now through the years, God bless them. May they rest in peace. They're, bo- they're both gone, but there are still a lot of other really wonderful men and women who step onto the platform and do a phenomenal job. And like I said, being a part of the National Speakers Association for about 10 or 11 years, I got to meet and rub shoulders with some of those greats and listen and watch them and see how they delivered their material. And the right. key thing I recognized was this, they were different. No, yeah. no, no person tried to become a little Zig or a little Charlie or a, a little Tony Robbins. They were all different. They learned where their strength or strengths were, and they magnified what they were really good at. And thus then they were an original. They were not yeah. a copy of somebody else. Well, and see, and, and, you know, I've listened to a lot of them, you know, Les Brown, uh, Brene Brown. Les Brown, Brene Brown. What are the chances? You know, um, Simon Sinek. Oh, sure. Okay. When you listen to them, each one has their own style. That's right. Know. Les That's Brown right. is more of a a uh, preacher type, you know, minister, you know, in your face, but oh, so motivational. You know, oh, yeah. Brene kind of gets into your emotions. Yeah, it, yeah. She, you know, she can relate. And, and, and to me, that's yeah. what. Yeah. And that's the yeah. key is to recognize you don't want to try to be a, a copy of someone else. You, exactly. The more original you are and the more original your material is, right. the more the audience will tend to warm up to you, receive you, because they'll feel you're authentic, you're transparent, and you're the kind of person that they can listen to, learn from, and, and feel relaxed and at ease with. Very good. So what would you tell someone who has a desire to speak and build their confidence when they first get started? I missed part of what you just said. Was that a question? (laughs) What would you tell someone who has a desire to speak and build their confidence when they first get started? Well, they, they need to have a good coach. (laughs) They need to have someone who knows obviously more than they do. You know, when I got involved with athletics back in junior high and high school, obviously it was organized sports, football, et cetera, et cetera. So there were always coaches and the better the coaches, typically the better the players. So you you have to have a teacher, a coach, a mentor, someone, male or female, who's really got the experience and knows what they're talking about that you can listen to, look at, learn from, and be able to, in some ways, copy what they're showing you or telling you along the way. There are just dozens, if not hundreds of books. I mean, you can see some of my bookshelves behind me. uh, And and actually, the, the one over here on this side that you can't see, I've got easily 25 to 30 books by a variety of authors, all on this bigger subject of speaking. And I've read them, and some of them I've reread. And they are part of the fuel and the input that has helped me learn what I learned and know what I know and practice what I practice. And speaking of books, 
I have finally found the right guy who I'm partnering with. He is helping me build my series of books that should be starting to come out this fall. So I'm elated about that and hopefully have a, a book in hand, maybe by October or November of this year, that I'll be able to start putting people's hands at that point. In time. Very good. Very good. Well, I can tell you that um, through my experience, you know, books are great as far as giving you tips and things like that. But unfortunately, when it comes to public speaking, you have to practice. Like you said, practice is key. You can't do it in a vacuum unless you have somebody that no, you you're, can't. You're, yeah, you've got to be you've got to be in front of somebody. Not, right. Like you said, a coach. That's right. So this this is uh, concludes our podcast for today, or we're very close. Are there any last words you want to add today, George? Sure. Speaking, like any of the other communication skills, is never finished. Like, I don't look at myself as a finished speaker. Like I, I said a moment ago, I'm continuing to read and re-examine and reconsider a variety of the things that I've learned through the years. You know, just that little tip I gave earlier about the affirmations, that came 30 years ago. So you, you have to have a learner's mindset. When I have people in my training courses that said, today's going to be like a learning laboratory. And in a learning laboratory, you make mistakes, right. but so what? That's okay. That's how the learning begins to progress, to have a learner's mindset. And that means you have to have some humility along the way. You can continue to learn, and you just have to continue things they did for many, many years through the sessions that I ran for the Speakers Academy was I gave each person a chance to give me feedback as the coach, as the, the teacher. And in their feedback, I continued to learn how I came across to the audience. So all of those little things are critical to growth and constant improvement. Right, right. So once again, this marks the end of another episode of Charged Up Studio, when small business owners get charged up for success. So please don't forget to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to us from or visit our Facebook page, Charged Up Studio, and leave a review. For more information on Marketatomy, go to www.marketatomy.com. George, can you let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you if they would like to? Yes. Yes. I want to give them something that most people don't often share, but it's up front. Call me. <laughs> I still answer my phone. Yes, Matter of fact, yes. here it is. I, I, I listen to my messages if I don't answer immediately, but I, I do listen to the messages. I respond to the messages. So call me 972-234-4377. 972-234-4377. George at thespeakersacademy.com. The email the phone number, you can text me, you can call me, you can email me, all of those arenas work. And I do my best to respond within 24 hours to any incoming messages. And I look forward, truly look forward to hearing from you, your questions, your concerns, your ideas, any feedback you got, send it. And he is also on LinkedIn. You can oh, get I, yeah, I LinkedIn. sure am. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, until next time. Everybody go out and have a charged up week. Talk to you next week. Thank you. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.